friends, welcome. This is it. We have over a decade of episodes unpacking stories and life to help you discover your purpose, your divine design, and what you are wired to do. This is Patty Lynn Wyatt. Please subscribe on YouTube or subscribe to Girlfriend It so we can be in it together. Well, welcome to Girlfriend It. We are in it together, helping you refine your it, your passion, your purpose, your divine design on how God created you specifically for this era, for this time and place with your special gifts and skills to shine. And today it is such an honor. We get to hear from founder and CEO of Foster Arizona, Kim Vihan. Welcome, Kim. How are you today? Hello, I'm good. It's so glad to be here. Thanks for allowing me to be a part of, of the way you're impacting the community. Oh, well, thank you. Well, speaking of impacting the community, hello, Kim. Not only do you have seven kids all under the age of, what's your oldest? Twelve. Yeah, wow. my oldest is 12 and my youngest is six. Oh, so yeah, your hands are full and you have been highlighted in several magazines and articles, including Shout Out Arizona, Joyful Life, Arizona Foothills, the list goes on, as well as sharing your story on a TED Talk. Uh, so thank you for taking the time to share your story here on Girlfriend It. And I'm laughing because you actually had to go in the closet just to be able <laughs> to get away from everyone. <laughs> That is legit. You know, we've been dealing with all of the different things with COVID in our house, too. And sometimes you've got to find the one quiet space. And I find myself right now in a closet. In a closet. <laughs> yes. Well, you and I have been friends for almost two decades. And I have watched mm. you shine in mega churches as a worship leader, as a storyteller. Uh, when you began making videos of other people's stories all the way to now, starting your own organization and immersing yourself in the stories of young adults um, who desperately want to make it in this world. And many of our listeners here on Girlfriend It, they, they have shared their strong desire to close a void that they see, a gap, mm -hmm. a holy discontent, um, but they don't know how to get started. So I would love if you would, Kim, share your story on how you saw this humongous void in our foster care system and you were able to take baby steps into, I, I'm i saying baby steps, but to me, you took gargantuous um, steps going on this adventure. Uh, I would call it a roller coaster ride as you founded Foster Arizona. So will you will you jump in on how you got started? Yeah, I think the thing is I never really got started thinking about starting a nonprofit organization or any organization at all. I actually came at it. I was a foster mom at the time. I had two kiddos that were siblings in my care and had gone to court and found out that their parental rights were going to be severed, which meant that their case plan was going to change to adoption. And I had had a conversation with my husband, and at the time he had limited me to a minivan. Um, since then, now we have a 12 passenger because we did adopt their two siblings as well. But I found <laughs> myself in a car going, what in the world am I going to do? Because once you get inside the world of foster care, you see a lot of pain and a lot of hurt. And you mm -hmm. see a lot of kids that are stuck in the middle. And mm -hmm. I really struggled with the idea of if I don't have beds available, how in the world can I just walk away and leave them sitting in the system and acting like they don't exist anymore? Mm -hmm. 
And so I found myself driving down the road and it started with a simple question. What if? What if I started using the influence that I had and the tools and skills that I had gotten professionally? And what if we just started telling stories? What if we started capturing kids and didn't treat them like they were in foster care, but instead started capturing kids and their stories in a way that humanized them, allowed Mm -hmm. people to see them as kids? What if? We started taking down the big wall between the community and people involved in foster care and let them see behind the veil, per se. And what if we could get more people to get involved so it's not just limited to my own bed? Mm -hmm. And so that's really where it started. It didn't start saying, hey, I think I'm going to start a nonprofit. It started saying, hey, I can't walk away from this. And what the heck am I going to do? What if I used the people that God has put in my life and I used the skills that I've developed along the way? And I found something uniquely me that I could bring to the table that maybe could make an impact. Mm. Mm. Well, one thing, I mean, I've heard your story so many times and just the passion that comes out of your voice when you're sharing about your kids as well as it, the ones that are in the system and the ones that um, are finally graduating out of the system. And um, you, you talk about, it's not just you doing this. And so many times mm-hmm. we see this void and we go, all right, I'm going to be the giant hero that takes us on and is the hero. And I love that you truly, you don't say, oh, it's me or I, I, I. You have stepped into this and, and getting an army. And we, we mm-hmm. I, there's a quote I love where an individual can make a difference, but a team can make a miracle. And I don't Mm -hmm. know who said that quote, but it's so true. A team can make a miracle and you, you are all about that. And I, you did a Ted talk specifically on that standing on each other's shoulders. Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you go about getting that army? I think the first space you start at is you understand that you have something to bring to the table and that is amazing. But bringing other people something to the table allows for the real work to take place. I look at it, and I've been not able to be in the office for the last two weeks because my family's been going through rolling quarantines. But yet work is going on because it's not just my hands that are in the pot. And Mm -hmm. I think that's the first place that you have to start. You have to start with a space of humility, seeing who you are and not discounting what you bring to the table, but being able to say, what else do I need? And having a mind that actually searches for that. I mean, I remember when I started the board, I actually had a conversation just last week with two people wanting to start nonprofits. And I told them, I said, the first question that I asked is, what deficits do I not have? And so Mm -hmm. as I was recruiting our very first board, which we still have a lot of our founding board members that are part of the organization today, I asked that question, what do I need? Well, I don't know anything about accounting. I need somebody who does accounting. I don't know anything about actually starting a business. So I I brought on people who had had started a business before me. And I don't know anything about really what it means to take child safety into account. So we brought somebody who specialized in that area and somebody who specialized in marketing and media that knew more about how to get the information out than I knew. And I think that's the very first place to start is being able to really know who you are, what you bring to the table, and then being able to identify what else is needed to move things forward and then looking for those people. And the worst Mm -hmm. thing that they can say is no, 
But I promise you that more people say yes than you really realize will step forward and, and take things on. And then from that place, it snowballs because when you allow others to have buy-in and you let them see that it's not about me, it's about a mission, it's about us joining our hearts to do something, it's amazing how then they use their influence and their connections, and it creates the snowball effect that allows you to really make a larger impact than you could ever imagine. And that's kind of been our story. Mm-hmm. Like I look at this this December, and we had this opportunity to buy a triplex come up. I have no ability to buy a triplex. Mm-hmm. But because of our connections and resources and the way that people believe in the mission and step forward, Foster Arizona was able to buy a triplex in a three-week period of time from when we learned about it to when we closed on it. And that has nothing to do with me. It mm-hmm. has to do with all of the support and the people who stood alongside to say we can make this happen together. Yeah, I am blown away at how, I mean, to you, it's probably, you know, that other quote of, the, you know, the days are short. They, no, what is it? No, the days are long. The years are short. To me, mm-hmm. I look at you and go, God has blessed you exponentially. I can't believe how, just how fast you've grown and the opportunities that have been poured into um, with buildings and people helping you financially. It's been amazing. Uh, but I do want to say, cause sometimes people hear this and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, you saw a void and you took those steps and now you're just being, you know, blessed and all these wonderful things are happening. But you shared once in an interview that it is harder to tell the stories that do not have mm-hmm. a happy ending. And mm-hmm. you share how it's those moments when you're sitting across the table from a child who desperately wants a family and praying that your video will showcase that sparkle. Uh, tell us a little bit more about those stories. You know, those are the stories that actually drive me forward more than anything. Um, last night, I was looking up a young adult because they all have this space and place in my heart. Like I see their faces mm-hmm. and their names. They may no longer be in our program. We may not have contact with them, but they continue to be in my mind and my prayer and they stay in my heart and some even stronger than others. And there was this uh, one young man who had been in our program and uh, we were trying to resource them for um, addiction issues and help them overcome some serious trauma that they had gone through in their life. And his story didn't go the way that I had wanted it to. Mm-hmm. Um, we had provided different opportunities for him and you can't make somebody take you up on those spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, and last night I was Googling his name because he was again on my heart and in my mind. And I found out that he had been arrested and had um, killed somebody driving in a car under the influence and I'm heartbroken as you yeah. speak. And I don't think it's something that goes away, but I think it's something that you have to use to drive you forward because his story represents so many. Mm-hmm. And we know like when it comes to young adults, we know that over 70% of those in prison have experienced foster care over 80% of those on death row. And so his story represents many. Mm-hmm. And if we get stuck in the, the failures, uh, and I don't even think he's a failure. I think he's a story still being told because I believe in the power of God to change his story. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you get stuck in the failures, it's a lot easier to walk away yeah. than really sit in that pain and say, what else can I do? Mm-hmm. What else can we do? 
and that was been a conversation I had with the team this morning is what we do is not just being friends. What we do is not just creating these lovely community connections of going, oh, it feels good. What we do is we're working between life and death for these young adults. Mm. And we have to take seriously. So at the end of the day, we can say we did everything we could mm-hmm. to be able to give you the love and support and allow you to see that you mean something to us in this community and that your life has value, you know? And I think that's the most important thing when you look at those spaces where it's not easy to tell it's not because it's, it's a real person. Yeah. And it's a real situation that they're having to deal with. And when you mm. sit across from a kid and you hear things like my mom threw boiling water on me and they have scars, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's also a reminder of, you know, I always tell people there's a difference between wounds and scars. And that is that scars have hope and healing and you can talk about it and touch it and there's a different space. And I think that that's what we're really looking for. We can't make everything better, but what we can do is be the place that offers healing and a space for hope for the future, you know? And you've, you've just said so many poignant um, just thoughts and ideas. And I, I remember I was there uh, and you offer so many um, spaces for people to come and volunteer and mentor with mm-hmm. some of these kids. And uh, I shouldn't say kids. I mean, a lot of them, they're, they're young adults. And, I remember being there one day when you guys um, had put, I forget what night you do that, but helping them just even to learn how to cook, to give them life skills. Mm -hmm. And this one gentleman shared that story of what you were talking about. You know, when a parent does something that's so horrendous in your eyes, because he shared that his mom had kept his other brothers and sisters, but didn't keep him. So he had to Mm -hmm. go into group home. And then now he had graduated into, um, one of your housing projects. And first of all, Kim, just listening to your story and your passion and just, I can, I can hear your, your voice choking up. And of course it makes me want to cry. Uh, I remember standing there hearing his story of saying that, and we can't fathom that we can't fathom that a mom is saying, I don't want you anymore. I mean, it's just the ultimate abandonment to say you no longer can exist in my household. But I also don't know the story of that parent and what this child has done, et cetera. Uh, So we want to come as a volunteer or as someone who's taking foster and then adopting them and, and changing their story, right? We want instant transformation. And so mm-hmm. I love what you said, where it might not always be that way, but all we can mm-hmm. do is just play our part and show up. And I know I really struggled with that in some of the, you know, helping girls get out of the strip clubs. And I would get really frustrated because they would get out for a short term and then they would get back in. And you you mm-hmm. start putting it on yourself, almost like I'm a failure because I'm not loving them enough to, for them to see that there's another way of existing in life. And I, we have a little bit of time here. You shared a story one time of just in the grocery store of, I don't know if you remember which story I'm talking about, because this was a while ago of how this one particular gentleman was 
cussing at you and getting irritated at you. Do you remember mm-hmm. that story? Well, I, I will tell you, you that so I've had several instances of that. <laughs> but just how you're going along and guiding him. And I, I was just like, man, I relate to that. Because you get to the point where you're like, really? You're going to treat me that way? And just to be able to understand where that disrespect is coming from. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of different pieces that I've learned. The first one is like with the, I think it's the young man you're talking about. And I'm, it's not, I mean, it's, it's at least one of the similar situations. Um, that young man ends up him when he ran into trouble, he's no longer in our program. He reached out and he called me and, mm-hmm. um, he put me down as an emergency contact and it's all about trust. Reminding mm-hmm. yourself, one, that um, young adults who are in foster care, there's a reason. Like, their life has been in such a way that there is a reason that they had to come into foster care. And with that means that there's a lot of broken trust that has taken place, and a lot of it has happened between them and adults in their lives. And so there is this assumption that you are going to hurt them most of the time, Mm -hmm. or that you don't have their best interest at heart, or that you want something from them. And so we talk to our young adults all the time and say, you know, we're not taking state contracts. We don't get any money for you. And so you are here because we believe in you and try to change that narrative of believing that the community wants to see you succeed. And it does not have to do with what I get out of you being here. And Mm -hmm. that's something that we work on quite a bit with a lot of our young adults. And, you know, the other thing that you talked about that I just wanted to say something on is you talked about taking personally the failures. And I have this conversation with young adults all the time as well. I had to come to a point because it was breaking me. Um, I would see some of their failures and it was literally my husband's like, you can't do this, Kim. It would put me in such a funk mm-hmm. because my heart would break because I would think about where they're going and what their future is going to look like. And how could we have done something differently? How could we have? prevented this from taking place. And I've had to get to a point of realization that none of their story is mine to own. Their success is not mine to own. And so I always tell them, if you succeed, I don't take credit for your success. That has been inside of you. And you just chose to step into your possibilities. And if they are not moving in the direction that's bringing them towards a healthy space in life, I have to also say that is your space as well. So I think it's not just not owning their failures, but it's also not owning their successes. All we get to be is this space on the side where we support and allow them to choose the direction that they go. And that's been a really healthy place for me to be able to say, okay, and with my belief in God, I say, okay, God, you fill in the gap. And maybe it's just that my role in their life was to put a seed in the ground. And then you're going to use someone else or some other entity to water it and get them where you want them to be, you know, but Mm -hmm. understanding that our role is not always what we want it to be. And we definitely don't get to see the end of their story all the time, but we have to have the belief that the love that we show them and the support we show them will show up some other time in their life. Mm -hmm. So true. It, just now when you said that made me think of what's the, the movie with Mark Wahlberg where they go get the foster kids do you know what oh one I'm goodness about? yes it's uh oh man instant family instant family it's so good yes i will tell you i sat there and at inappropriate moments laughed because it's so real and i think that's one of the best depictions i've ever seen hollywood make of what foster care is like and literally when yeah. they were sitting in those meetings with like all the foster parents 
I was giggling because I'm like, yes, <laughs> it was so real. Isn't that so true? And the the scene where he's so angry, and when you said that about our role is not always we, what we want it to be, uh, mm-hmm. how he goes back to the the parents that painted this beautiful picture of the the daughter that they had adopted, and she was you know back in rehab, and he was so angry, mm-hmm. going, "Why did you lie to us? Why didn't you tell us it was going to be this horrible?" <laughs> and it was exactly what you said. We we're just creating a healthy space. We didn't say we were having a happy ending. We're we're creating this healthy space for this one child. And oh, that that was a, such a good movie. I highly recommend running and watching that movie if you haven't seen it for those people out there that are listening. Well, and I completely agree. Anyone who's looking to foster and wants a little glimpse into what foster and adoption looks like and what it means to get involved in a in a kid's world. We actually took all of our board and our volunteer lead team, um, and we went and watched it together. And we had conversations about it because I think that even um, the depiction, there's a scene in there where she throws the brush into the toilet. Sometimes they do things that make absolutely no sense. And you say, how rude and ungrateful can you be? But there are these trigger spaces inside of them that they don't even always know how to identify that causes a response back. And I think more times we would have success, not just with young adults coming out of foster care, kids in foster care, but in general with how we treat people, we would have a lot more success if we chose to give people the benefit of a doubt and believe that at the ultimate space, they're trying to come from a place um, that's good and that we all have hurts and hangups in our lives that cause us to sometimes act out of the space that we even want to act out of. Because I know that's, what I've learned being in foster care is so much of it. Um, you know, one of uh, my pastors has said, hurt people, hurt people. And I use that all the time because that's the truth is people hurt people usually through their own hurt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what is one, um, like a, a celebratory story. I mean, we talked about those stories that aren't necessarily mm-hmm. a, a happy ending that, of course, breaks our heart. And it's easy to, and, and we have to, right? We have to grieve those stories and save some time to, to be in that space. But also we have to look at the hope and the the celebratory events. And what what would one be that has happened recently that you can share with us? Well, I will give you one of a young man who's getting ready to graduate our program, and I'm so beyond proud of him. I There are not enough words that can express just how far he's come in his journey. And I look at him and I'm like, it's not just been a transformation of employment or school. It's been a very transformation of how he views the world. We had a young man who came into our program and he was suicidal, couldn't imagine living um, to his next birthday. And because of that was unmotivated to get a job, unmotivated to go to school. And we just continually kept working and pressing in and trying to um, get not just the mental health services in place so he could find stability, but also pressing in and telling what we see in him and and challenging him. And now he's getting ready to graduate a a, a college program. And Mm -hmm. He's looking forward to getting a job. He's going to be moving out on his own. 
he his mindset has changed. Um, he used to tell me all the time about he has no need for people, and he is learning how to uh, build relationships, and he's finding value, and he's able to come back and say sorry when he makes mistakes, and he's, uh, without being asked, putting a helping hand forward and, and giving back to other people in the same way that he's been given to, and I'm just so incredibly proud of him, and I think the hard thing is when they have been in our program that long, it's kind of like a mama's heart. I'm like, what happens if I don't see you again? You know, mm, mm-hmm. but um, I'm just reminded of where his story was before and now the value that he's been able to add to himself, but also what he's going to be bringing to this community and the lives of others because of other people pouring into him. And it, again, just makes me have so much gratitude for those who have chosen to step into this journey with me, because it's not just about me. I mean, he'll tell you all these mentors and volunteers, uh, even one of our financial volunteers, who's absolutely amazing, um, has been one of those people to make a huge impact on his life and change the future for him. So it's just really cool to see how it's not just one person's hands, but it's been all of this collective effort that really changed his his future. Mm. Well, I... I just would love to hear like what in, in, in a minute here, cause we just have a couple minutes and then um, our podcast is over. And I just want to say thanks again, Kim. It's such an honor for you to share this concept of foster Arizona that you started not with just a, well, it was with an idea of how to close that, that void, but you, you went into it knowing that one per- person cannot fix all of these challenges and the chaos that, that comes in this world. And you created this army of individuals, uh, truly from our community to step in, bring their skills, their time, their influence. And, uh, you can find what Kim is doing if you go to fosterarizona.org or contact me and I will uh, give you that information. Uh, but is there what else can you tell us that that people can go to um, to help be a part of someone else's story to help them sparkle? You know, I always say if anybody is looking to make an impact, especially in the the world of foster care, I will help you. Whether it's with our organization or another organization, it doesn't matter to me. We collaborate with so many organizations across this valley, and and we are always looking for more collaboration efforts. Do something. If you are wanting to make an impact in someone's life, instead of thinking about it or wanting to do it, take a step and do something. Reach out. I will tell you there's opportunities to be mentors in our program, but also mentors in the lives of kids in foster care. You can even come. We've got events almost every single month and we need help. Like we have an event this Saturday that's a movie event and volunteers are coming and they're checking kids in and parents in and they are helping pass out candy and popcorn. It's a normalization event. But we have a huge event coming up on February 26th, which is a parent training. And last parent training, which was our very first one we did, we had 80 kids in childcare. We need people that is willing to just come and love on kids while their parents get resourced with trauma-informed mm. care. So that, that way they can meet the kids and all the challenges that are going on in their homes and in their lives and help them be able to have that future um, hope and, and instill that in them. So if you are wanting to make an impact, there is no job that's too big or too small. And there's Sorry, opportunities Kim, from everyone. <laughs> thanks for being on our show and thanks for listening. Subscribe to iTunes or toginet.com.
welcome. This is it. We have over a decade of episodes unpacking 